Well, let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And our text this morning will be verses 35 to 49. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 35. Listen to the word of God. But someone will say, how are the dead raised? And what kind of body do they come? You fool. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of men, and another flesh of beasts, and another flesh of birds, and another of fish. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one, and the glory of the earth is earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for stars differ from, the, from star in glory. So also in the resurrection of the dead, it is sown a perishable body, it is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from earth, earthly. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthly, so also are those who are earthly. And is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we tackle our text this morning. Heavenly Father, again, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be the teacher and that he would open our eyes to the truths of this scripture. And Lord, I pray that you would give clarity in teaching, that there would be faithfulness to your word. And again, I pray that we would go forth rejoicing in the fact that we will be resurrected and that we will be like our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I pray that we would look forward to that time, but in the meantime, that we would be faithful to be obedient and to love our Lord Jesus Christ. Be in our time, I pray. Teach us in your name. Amen. Well, we've been going through 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we've been dealing with the resurrection. And again, we said this chapter was primarily written to assure the Corinthians that they themselves would get physical resurrection. They were denying that there would be a resurrection, and so Paul begins and, and wants to assure them that, if, that they will actually be physically raised. And so he starts with the common understanding of the gospel, and he says, you believed in a gospel that taught the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We agree with that. We all agree with that. 
And so if Christ has been raised, then it only makes sense that the rest of us will be raised. In other words, if there's already been a physical resurrection, then it's certainly possible. And if Christ is raised, then we will be raised as well. And in fact, if, if Christ is not raised, there's all kinds of problems. Your Christianity, your witness, your life, motivation for the Christian life is all gone. And so this morning, as he comes, comes to our passage this morning, he is again dealing with the questions of those who would question the resurrection. And there are, he, they begin really with two questions because they're still not sure about the resurrection. And in verse 35, they start, but some will say, how are the dead raised and what kind of body do they come? And so there are these questions, and, and we will find out that these people are not people who are really buying the truth. These are people maybe who are, are a little bit antagonistic to the gospel, and they're antagonistic to the idea of resurrection. And so when they say, how, how are the dead raised? Their question isn't, in what manner will they be raised, or, you know, the specifics, but really the idea is, how is it possible how is it possible? Now, we know that today that we live in a world that believes that there is no supernatural. And so this would be the question that they would raise. How is it possible? We all know that as far as we know, we've, we've never witnessed anybody being raised from the dead. And in fact, science would tell us that we put somebody's body in the grave and it decays. In fact, it disappears completely, turns to dust. We don't know what happens to it. Some people get eaten. Some people get digested. Some people get, get burnt. So how on earth are you ever going to be put that back together? How are you ever actually going to have a, a, a body that's put back together? How is it even possible So they ask that question. And then what type of body do they come? In other words, what kind of body will they have when they are resurrected? Okay, it's, first of all, it's impossible that they'll be resurrected because, I mean, everybody knows that that doesn't take place. But then again, if they were raised, what kind of body would it be? How would it be? I mean, we've already seen it go into the ground. We've already seen it decay. And how on earth can it be brought back the way it was? Some of the Jewish rabbis concluded that the resurrection bodies would be identical to the earthly bodies in every way. Well, how can that be possible? I mean, after all, if they're decayed, how can that be? The Gnostics' view made the resurrection seem even less desirable. Why on earth would you want the same body back? I mean, that matter is evil. Why would you even want the same body back? That's just giving yourself more problems again. So why, why is it? How is it that it's po even possible... And what would that body look like? 
Now, you would think when we first read this, it just seems like, well, those are reasonable questions. But Paul obviously under, is asking these, and he's asking them, in, 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 in a sense, he's the one bringing the questions, but he's bringing the questions from people who are actually asking these questions. And he's not dealing with a specific person, but he's dealing with anybody who would ask these questions. And he says, in response, good question. I'm glad you asked because I have a good answer for you. Right? No, he doesn't. He says, in, in your Bibles, it says, you fool. You fool. I've explained everything about the resurrection, and now you're still questioning, how is it even possible? And he says, literally in the Greek, fool. They've kind of, they kind of tried to make it a little nicer here. He just says, fool. Right? You're an idiot. Well, that's not very nice, right? But Paul says, your unbelief, you are a fool. A fool has said in his heart, what, there is no God. And someone who questions when God says there's going to be a resurrection is a fool. And he says, these questions aren't smart. You guys think you're great philosophers and you think you're so smart, but you're going by worldly wisdom. And what you really are, rather than being super bright and super smart, are fools. You're fools. So Paul says, far from being a bright question, far from being something that pushes the envelope farther, it just demonstrates to you t that you are actually a fool. Well, again, that doesn't seem very kind. Yet Paul makes it very clear that what they are asking makes them a fool. There we go. Page two of my notes. <laughs> so he says, again, it's, it's a term of contempt. And then he says, so he says, Here, here's the response. Here's the response to these questions, you fool. And as he now answers these two questions, and as we go through this text, and he, he will tell us how is it possible, and he will answer what type of body we will have, he, as he answers these questions about the resurrection and an attack on the resurrection, he will also give us four qualities of the new body, of the resurrected body. He will give us four qualities of the resurrected body. We could call, yeah, four qualities of the new resurrection body. So he begins and he says, that which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And so he begins with an agricultural example illustration here. And he says, this is how it can be, how it's possible. Literally, uh, you put wheat in the ground, you put a seed in the ground and it has to die in order for it to bring forth life, in, for, in, in order for there to be life that comes from it, it must die. And he says, you don't sow the body which is to be, but you put in a, 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 
a seed. In other words, you don't take the whole plant and stuff it in the ground. You take a seed, you put it into the ground, and it begins to grow. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of seed wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself and alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And he says, here's the principle. When we plant, we recognize that the, the seed that we put into the ground is going to die in order for there to be life. And we know that whatever is produced is going to be similar and have some continuity with what went before. In other words, when you plant wheat, you don't get peas, right? You don't get peas, you don't, you don't get uh, apples, you get wheat. And so he says there is a continuity here, and so your body, and this is really point one, is it will be similar to what you have now. It will be similar. So he says, and that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. In other words, your body that's to come is similar to a wheat. It will be similar. It will have some of the same characteristics. It will not be identical. God will give it the body that he decides, but it will be what wheat. In other words, you will still be, have a physical body when you are raised again. It will be similar to what you have now. There is continuity. He gives a body as he wishes. So how can it be that people are, are raised? Well, they have to die to be raised. And it is from the seeds of that body that God will raise up a new body. He will raise up and, and give us a restored body. And so he says, your resurrected body is going to be similar to what you have now. Not identical, but it is made possible because your body dies. Therefore, it will be the seed by which you uh, receive a new body. God is going to change the body that you have. And he will give you a new body that is similar. So he says, this is, this is the beginning. You will have a body that is similar to what you have. So he says, first of all, your body will be similar. Secondly, he says, your body will be appropriate. Your body will be appropriate for where you're at. Your resurrected body is going to actually fit the circumstances that you're around. Look at verse 39. All flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one flesh of men and another flesh of beasts and another flesh of birds and another of fish. So he said, God gives you a body and he, he's the one who resurrects. He's the one who has the power to resurrect. He gives you a body as he wishes. And he says, it should be seen already in nature that there are different types of flesh. Now, he, he lists them. He says, there is one of flesh, flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another flesh of birds, and another of fish. 
In other words, God has created each one of these animals and each one of these beings to be exactly where he wants them to be. He's created them uniquely. He's given them a body for the role that they are to uphold. Right? Fish don't go on land, at least not for long. Right? Birds fly, not cows. There's a difference in flesh. God has created categories of flesh that are unique and different. That should put a stake in evolution right there. Right? That should put a stake in evolution right there because there is no, uh, there's no, we're not being developed from one another. God created them unique and distinct and, and he gave gave them a body for the purpose and the area that they were to be. And he says when, when God, God created them then, he created them with bodies that were appropriate to the environment that they would be in. That's why fish don't go on land. That's why cows don't fly. I'm glad they don't but we won't go into all that details. But what, what we do know is that everyone is what? Every, each one of these is unique. Each one of these is different. And God has created them for the role that they are in. He says in verse 40, there are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly one and the glory of the earthly is another. He says simply this, God has, there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. In other words, there are things on earth and there are things in the heavens and they are different. The glory of them is different. You look at a flower, you look at a meadow, you look at a tree. He says, then you look up into the sky and you see the stars and the moon. And he says, their glory is different. They're not the same. There's different lusters, different brilliances. And then he elaborates that on verse 31. There's the glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For stars differ in their glory. And he says there's a difference. You can look at the moon. You can look at the stars. You better not spend too much time staring at the sun, right? You're going to go blind. They have a different, they're, they're made uniquely for the glory that God has given them. Each one of them. And just like the glory of things on the earths, things in the heavens, they are all created as God has appointed them to be. And he says, our resurrection bodies will have the glory that God has given to them. And he has the power to make them as he chooses so that they will be sufficient and they will be ready for eternity in heaven. And the same one who is able to create the glor different glories within Heaven and earth is the same one who will be able to create the glory of the new resurrected body. And so our bodies will be appropriate for where we're at. And they will have the glory that God will choose to make for us when we are resurrected. 
So he says our bodies are, are appropriate. He says they're similar, they'll be appropriate. And then he says our resurrected bodies will be superior. They will be superior. He says, so also the resurrection of the dead, it is sown in in a perishable body, it is raised in the imperishable. So again here he says, when you die, your body is imperishable. In other words, your body will die. Your, Your body is decaying. Your body is wearing out. It does not live forever. And he says, Hebrews 9.27, as much as is appointed for men to die, and after this the judgment. He says, your, Paul says again in 2 Corinthians 4.16, our outer man is decaying, right? But we are being built up on the inner side, inside. He says, you have been given an earthly body that is decaying. It, it is under the curse of sin. Death is coming. You are getting, uh, you, you are decaying and weak. One writer says, just consider the five B's of middle age. Baldness, bifocals, bridges, bulges, and bunions. <laughs> right? <laughs> Our bodies are decaying, right? They're, they're, they are breaking down. But he says, there's coming a time where we will be raised and it will be raised imperishable. It will be permanent, durable, internal, never growing old, never becoming tired, never becoming weary forever and ever. And so our bodies won't be subject to corruption and decay. They won't wear out. One writer says, thus it is right to conclude that in the future estate, our bodies will not age, but we will have the characteristics of useful, mature manhood and womanhood forever. Now, for some of the young people, they're like, whew, I didn't want to be 10 in heaven forever, right? And for others who are on the other scale, they might be saying, well, I don't want to be going around in a walker for eternity, but that's not what's going to happen, right? We're going to have a a body that is mature, that won't age, will be strong. We'll be back, as it were, to the strength of mature womanhood and manhood forever. So our, our bodies will be, we would say, indestructible, indestructible. Secondly, our bodies will be triumphant. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. The creature was made perfect and in, every, and in the very image of his creator and was made to manifest his creator in all he did. But through sin, that which was created to honor God became character, characterized instead by dishonor. We dishonor God by by our inability to take advantage of what he has given us in his creation. We dishonor God by misusing and abusing the bodies which he desires us to honor and to serve him. Even the most faithful believer dies with his body in a state of dishonor, a state of imperfection and incompleteness. We can never live up ultimately to what we were created to be. 
the awful, one commentator said, the awful and intolerable indignity of dust to dust. And he says, we, we were sown in dishonor. We were never able to reach the fullness of our glory in our flesh, in our bodies. Though we were made new on the outside, we have a remnant of the flesh. But he says, there's coming a time where it will, our new bodies will be raised in glory. We will be raised to be able to be fully what we should be. We will be transformed and crowned with glory and honor the rule of God's creation. And so we will have a new body that will now be, make us able to what? Glorify God. It will be a glorified body, a, God, a body that is sufficient and able to live out and honor the rule of God. Paul writes, Christ Jesus will transform our humiliated bodies to conform them to his glorious body. He says that in Philippians 3.21. So he says our bodies will be, will be changed, we will be triumph, we will be transformed from weakness to power. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. But we only have to live on this earth for a little while to start to realize that it doesn't take very long for us. We spend those first few years of our lives getting stronger. But then we hit that period and then all of a sudden we start to realize our limitations. Even the strongest of us experience the weakening of our bodies, right? We, we start to get up in the morning and all of a sudden things ache. Where we used to to run, now we walk, right? Where we walk, now we, now we shuffle, right? We find ourselves wanting to nap during church, <laughs> right? Because of the weakness of our body. Our body breaks down. We can't lift the things that we used to do. We can't run like we used to. We can't jump. I can't even think of jumping, actually. But <laughs> So we are frail, feeble, liable to sickness and infirmity. And even the idea of weakness here has the idea of, of moral weakness. And he says, we, we, are, we, are, we are weak. But he says, there's going to come a time where we are resurrected with super, with, by the supernatural power of God and we will have energy, we will be perfected. We will have inherent strength and ability that resides by virtue of our nature. Now, it's not saying that we're going to possess superhuman strength. You're not going to, it doesn't say you're going to be able to jump over buildings with, a <laughs> with one leap, right? With a giant leap. But we will have full and complete human power and strength, which God intended human beings to have when he created them apart from sin. Now, think, when we think about that, we, just, we think about Adam. Now, Adam didn't have a glorified body. But Adam had the ability where he was, get this, on day one, he's naming animals, all of them. Now, that's pretty good intellectual power, right? And so we, we, will, we, will, have, we, we will have unleashed 
in, in a sense, our humanity when we get to heaven. And all that God created us to be and all the abilities that he's given to humanity will be ours. So no more forgetfulness, right? Yeah. The thing is, in heaven, we won't need to forget, right? Because everything will be good. But again, we will, we will have a, a renewed power. And so we will have the strength that is sufficient to do all that we desire to do in conformity to the will of God. Right? We're, co- we're told to, to run and not become weary. You will not get weary in heaven. You will have all the strength that you need to do all that you want to do to serve God, and you will do it perfectly. Wow. It'd even be just nice to have one minute of that, wouldn't it? We're going to have it for all eternity. And so he says, we'll be sown in weakness. We we live, we die, we struggle morally. We'll be raised in power. We will have all the ability in our human flesh, in our new body, to serve our God. And then he says, fourth, the fourth thing about our nat- our body is, is a transcendent spirit versus natural. Be, our bodies will be transcendent. It is sown a natural body. It will be raised a spiritual body. He says, you've been given a human body that is made for this planet, for this time, for this earth. It is a, a, a it has the limitations of, of the flesh that's here. But he says, you will be raised a spiritual body. Now, you might think, well, that certainly sounds like a contradiction in terms. If it's a spiritual body, it must not be a real body, right? Because he says it's a spiritual body. Well, maybe it's not a real body. Maybe it's a body without flesh and bones. Maybe we'll be like ghosts, but we're reminded just a little earlier in this chapter in 1 Corinthians 15, 23, but each in his own order, Christ is the first fruits after those who are in, at Christ that is coming. In other words, we're going to be raised like Christ was raised. That's going to happen. So how was Christ raised? Well, it's without question that Christ rose bodily from the grave. Jesus said in Luke 24, a spirit does not have flesh and blood as you see I have. Jesus claimed to be in what? In flesh. Resurrected body, but a fleshly body. He ate a piece of fish to prove his materiality. No spiritual body. So he says, I'm eating this fish so that you know that what? I'm not a ghost. The disciples saw him, they were scared. I'm going to eat this fish for you to prove to you that I'm not a ghost. Jesus said to Thomas, touch my side, right? Put your hand on my side, touch my hands. So what does he mean by a spiritual body then? What does he mean by a spiritual body? He's speaking of a body that is dominated by the Holy Spirit. Our spirit dominated by the Holy Spirit. So the body, spiritual body, will never again either have the desire or the capacity to fill the lusts of the flesh. Think about that. 
you will never have the capacity to sin again. And that's good news because we would just hate to get to heaven. We would just hate to do all the right things, get to heaven and find out, you know, and say, well, maybe I'm like Lucifer. I'm going to fall again. No, there's no capability because you have a spiritual body that is controlled by the Holy Spirit. You are governed by the Spirit. In other words, Paul saying, we, they, you will be entirely submitted and in perfect harmony with the Holy Spirit. Believers will have a heart undisturbed by the deceitful lusts of sin, truly, God, truly godly ambition and aspirations, and the physical body will be able to carry out those holy impulses without a moment's distraction or weariness. Therefore, they will be able to enjoy the bounties of the new creation God has created for his people. John Murray writes of, of such a destiny, it is the highest conceivable, it is the highest and conceivable thing for created beings, the highest inconceivable not only by men, but by also by God himself. God himself could not contemplate or determine a higher destiny for his creatures. And he says, this, this will be your new body. It will be controlled by the spirit so that you will have be empowered to be able to do complete perfect service for God. You will never be able to sin again. That's why we talk about glorification. We talk about free from the presence of sin. And you'll be free from that presence and you will be free from anything in you that will allow you to sin. And he says, that's good news. I want that kind of body. Amen. So he says, in answering these questions, he says, your resurrected, resurrected body will be similar to the one that you have. There will be continuity. It will be appropriate for where you will be. It will be superior. And now he says, your resurrection body will be patterned after Christ. Your, your resurrection body will be patterned after Christ. Verse 45. So also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. So he says there was... The, First man, which is Adam of the garden, became a living soul. Now, what he means by that is that God put a, a, a human soul inside a physical body. So he became a living soul. So when we talk, when we take the phrase living soul, we're not just talking about soul, we're talking about the full man. So he's a living soul in the fact that he has his body and soul together. So he says, he created the first Adam and he became a living soul. The last Adam became a living spirit. So he says, the first one was, was, a, was, a, was a living man. The second one was a living spirit. In other words, 
the, the, sec, the, the, the second Adam, or the last Adam, I should say, who is the way it's written here, the last Adam became a living spirit, a life-giving spirit. In other words, when Christ came, he came as one who could give life. John alludes to the last Adam's power and life-giving spirit, for just as the Father raised the dead and gives life, even so the Son also gives life to whom he wish, wishes. Paul adds these words about Christ as a life-giving spirit, Romans 8, 2. For the law of the spirit of life is in Christ Jesus has been set you free from the law of sin and death. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. In other words, Christ came as a life-giving spirit. He came to give spiritual life. And in giving spiritual life, he gives life to us that will ultimately allow us to be raised, have our bodies raised. He regenerates our human spirit, and he is now from the vantage point within us, beginning to impart life to the soul again and recapture the mind and the emotions and will and bring them back under the subjection of the Lordship of Christ. So we begin in this life, and ultimately, it will be filled in the next. And so he says, the first Adam came as a living soul. He had a physical body and a soul. But the second one came and gave life. The first man is from earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. And again, here he's looking at source. And he's simply saying, the first man came from earth. God created him out of the earth. We look in Genesis chapter 7. He took the dirt. Adam, right, is Adam dirt. He says he took him out of the dust, literally. He is, he is dust. We could translate this word earthly dust. The first man is dust. He was made from the, from the earth. He is sourced from there. But he says the second man, the, however, the spiritual is not first. Just a minute. He became a living spirit. I skipped a verse. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. He says, in other words, you first, you first became flesh, then you, then you become spiritual. There's an order to this resurrection. You weren't spiritual first, but you were natural, then spiritual. The first man is from heaven. He is from earth. He has been sourced from earth. The second man is from heaven, which is Jesus Christ, and he has come. He is sourced from heaven. In other words, he has a, a, a he has a now has a, a heavenly body that is different and unique. He is the first one to be raised from the dead. He is the first one with a resurrected body, and he is from heaven. As is the earthly, so also are those who are earthly, and as in and as in the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. So he says. All those who are earthly are like those who are on the earth. In other words, he's just simply saying, you're all human, you all have fleshly bodies, and you look like those, like those who you come from. You're an Adam, you have an earthly body, you are, you are made from dust, so are those who are heavenly. In other words, those who, who are raised and have a heavenly body will be after the one who has been raised. He says, just as we are born the image of the earthly, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. 
And he says, you were, you were born in Adam, the first Adam. You have a human body. You have that image. You have a human body. And he says, just as you have that human body and you bear that image, we who, speaking of believers, also bear the image of the heavenly. We will bear it. There will become a time where our bodies will be like Christ's resurrected body. We will be like him. We are told that we will be like him when we see him. We shall be like him. We shall see him face to face. And so there will come that time where we will look and we will bear the the image of the heavenly. We will have that body just like Christ. We will have that perfected body. Now, as believers, our, 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 our desire is to be what? Like Christ. And he says, our resurrected body will be like Christ's resurrected body. He is the first fruits. He's the one that's gone before. Ultimately, we will be like him. What a hope. What a hope that we will be like him. Philippians 3.21 again says, who transformed the body of our humble state into the conformity with the body of his glory by the execution of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. And so he says, there's going to come a time. We don't have it now, but there's going to be a time and we won't have our resurrected bodies until we see him. And when we see him, we will receive our glorified bodies. So the coming resurrection is the hope and motivation of the church and of all believers. And here's the thing, whatever happens to our bodies now doesn't matter. Because we have the hope of a new body and we, we tend to cling to this body, but it's, 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 only for a short time that we will have it. This is not our permanent body and we don't need to hang on to it. We tend to look around at the circumstances around us and we tend to think, I need to protect myself. I need to preserve my body. I need to be careful. But the reality is, this is not our permanent body. And we should not hold on to them dearly as if they're everything. Now we recognize the Bible says to take care of your body and it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. But sometimes we cling to this body and this life like it's all that there is and somehow we've got to maintain it and keep it. Instead of realizing that our blessing and hope and assurance is that these created natural bodies one day will be recreated as spiritual bodies. We will be changed. And though we only have a glimpse of what it will be like, someday we will see him face to face and we will be changed. And that needs to be our desire and our hope. And so as we, we, look, for, as we look at this passage, we can be assured that God makes it possible for the resurrection. He demonstrates it in nature and that we have looked forward to a new body that is similar 
is, is completely perfect for the environment that we are going to. That's a hot topic these days, but we will be perfectly set up for where we should be. And so our bodies will be superior. And more importantly, we will be like Christ. I trust that's the hope of each one of our hearts. Let's close in prayer today. Heavenly Father, we again thank you for your many blessings and your goodness to us. And we thank you for the hope of the resurrection. We thank you that we have a glimpse here of what we will be when you return or when we see you again. And so I pray that we would look forward to that time that we will be made into the image of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we will have a renewed body in order to serve you perfectly, that it will be adequate for all that you have for us. And yet, even so, we will be recognizable because we will, it will be similar to what we have. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray that our hope would rest in that future time and that we would live with the hope of being resurrected and being like you. In your name, amen.